Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, there's no small talk. Andy and I are diving right into a great topic that came in through the mailbag. We are talking about what do we do to help people be more accountable at work? We've got an email from a practice owner who is wondering, how do I help a team member who always seems to be making excuses for work errors or for not following our protocols? How do I help them self-reflect and take ownership of things rather than constantly blaming it on someone or something else? Let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, get it together, Goss. <laughs> How you doing? I am good. How are you? I am good. I'm I am I'm fired up for this uh for this episode. This me is a really too. good question we got today. Me too. I think this is one where we're going to um, skip this small talk because we've already been talking to each other for an hour this morning and I think we're both tired of each other already. And... <laughs> Never tired of each other, but also and... <laughs> we need to get we need to get this done. <laughs> this is a good one. So uh, you guys, we got an awesome letter through the mailbag from a doctor who is uh, running a practice and they are very much struggling. They have a team member who is always making excuses for their work errors and or not following protocols. And uh, this doctor said, I feel like these mistakes are getting made because this employee's head is often somewhere else. Uh, They are very chatty and also very easily distracted. And so they are wondering, how do I help this person self-reflect a little better and take ownership of things rather than constantly blaming it on something or someone else? Yeah. Oh man. All right. Yeah. Such a good one. This is a good one. Well, let's let's uh let's start with headspace. Okay. Um so the first thing I want to do when I go into this is I'm looking at this employee and they they make mistakes and they tend to be chatty and sort of, you know, just sort of make mental mistakes. What I don't want to do is get my heart and soul tied up in the outcome of this interaction. Mm-hmm. So so I say that um I just would put it on the table to start with um you can't fix anyone. Right. They have to fix themselves. Yep. And I can, so now that doesn't mean I, uh, that sink or swim, I can support this person. But ultimately, the healthiest place for me to be is in a place where I go, we are going to support this person. And we are going to walk them through a program. And we are going to approach this from a strategic, low stress way. But ultimately, this might not work out. This person might not be a good fit. They might make too many mistakes to work in a medical facility. And I need to be okay if that's where this ends up. And so that's that's just kind of part of my self-care is not saying I need to make this person successful. I need to coach them. Uh, this, is, this is on me. It's not on you. Um, we're going to work with them. We, the more that we can support our people and make them successful in their role, the better off we are. But this is one of the things where it's really on this person and you do not have the power to change them. They are going to have to change themselves. And I hope that they will. And there's some good chances that they will. There's also a chance that they won't. Can we just sit with that for a second? Because I think that's something um, that we struggle with in veterinary medicine because so many of us are people pleasers and Mm -hmm. we're here to help and to heal like that is that is 
why we're in this field. And I think so many of us struggle with feeling like it's okay to say at the end of the day, this is not my responsibility. Yeah. That's, well, a, hard, I mean, that's so, a hard headspace to wrap your head around. It is. I, but I think, um, I, and so let's, let's step out of our little question into the broader world. I do think that a lot of people in vet medicine wrestle with that very much mm-hmm. because we do want to save everyone. Yeah. We want to save all the pets. We want to yeah. fix all the problems. We want to, we want to fix the world. Yeah. And so you use the term responsibility. And I think, and this sounds cold when I say it, but I really do think that this is healthy. There is a, a series of questions that I often ask myself and I say, do I want this to be true? Mm-hmm. Did I make this true? Do I benefit from this being true? If the answer is no, no, and no, then I, I am not responsible. You know, and, and that, that is just the truth. That doesn't mean I don't want to help. It doesn't mean right. I'm cold. That doesn't mean I don't care. It means, but I am not responsible and I should not feel personal responsibility. And so, for example, um, I didn't I didn't make this person make mistakes. I certainly don't benefit from them making mistakes and I don't want them to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so Therefore, I, I this is it, them making mistakes is is not not my responsibility. You know what I mean? Um, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm discarding them, but just from a moral standpoint of me feeling okay that this didn't work out. If it doesn't work out, and I go, I didn't, I, I wanted it to work out. I did what I could to make it work out, and I uh, would have benefited had it worked out. I was motivated to make it work out, and if it doesn't work out that's okay. It's not because of, of me. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree with that. And I think that that is going to be a hard part for some people to wrap their heads around. Cause that's, yeah. it's a hard, it's a hard practice. Like, and I think you're, I, I think you're um, doing something so great by asking yourself those questions on repeat, because that is a habit that has to be learned. So like putting up those boundaries and asking yourself those questions, that is habit. And that takes um, practice and repetition for it to feel okay for people. And so I think this is one where you're, you got to practice it before you feel comfortable with it. Cause it will feel sure. very uncomfortable at first. Well, it's, it's, it does feel very uncomfortable at first. It, to me, it, it's a, it's a, a philosophical exercise that I picked up dealing with clients who have money concerns. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason is because of this. So, so let me take it to, to where it came from and, and why I say that the way that I do, cause I'm sure there are people out there who grit their teeth and go, Oh, that sounds awful. Or I don't like that. Look, um, Standing in the exam room, looking at someone who does not have the money to pay for their pet surgery. Um, I want this person, you know, to to be successful. I, I want to get this pet care. The I do not want to feel responsible for this pet getting care. And that is a subtle difference, yep. but it is an important difference yeah. because so many of us go home and think that it was our responsibility to get care for this pet when the pet owner couldn't provide the care or couldn't afford the care. And I go, man, I do want that and you should want that and we should all want that, but it's not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I say that because that's how I keep myself safe Mm -hmm. and that's how I set boundaries and go home. And so the questions I asked myself honestly was, um, do I want this person to not be able to afford care? Do I, do I, did I make it so that this person can't afford care? Did I have anything to do with the situation that created their inability to afford care. And the last thing is, do I benefit from them not being able to afford care? And the answer to all three of those questions is hell no. Right. I didn't, I don't want it. <laughs> I didn't cause it. 
I don't benefit from it. And therefore, in my mind, I'm not responsible for it. Right. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to do everything I can to try to help this person within the limits of what we can do. But at the end of the day, it was not my responsibility. And I'm going to put it on the shelf when I leave the building and I'm going to go home and I'm going to see my kids. And yeah. that's that's just how I'm going to feel. And again, I know that for a lot of people that takes it takes some some thought to get there. But I just if you're hearing this and you're like, I still don't get it. Just sit with it a bit and just think about it. And so when I look at that client and I go, I didn't want this. I didn't cause this. I, in no way did I make this happen. And I certainly don't benefit from it. Then I'm also not responsible for it. And I think that that mindset and that headspace ties to um, then the next kind of headspace point, which is that you can have compassion and you can be kind and you can be gentle in how you engage with your team members and you can still hold them accountable and you can yeah, you, still have consequences. Yeah. You have to hold them accountable. Yeah. And you, you I mean, that's it. You should, you can a hundred percent be kind and hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. And in fact, as a leader, as a doctor, as a manager, as a medical director, you have got to hold them accountable mm -hmm. because here's the thing. If you don't hold this person accountable, then you're being unkind and unfair and treating your other employees unjustly. Right. And so they're the ones who are cleaning up the mess because you won't hold this person accountable. They're the ones who are doing what they're supposed to be doing and getting uh, crapped on because of it and having this extra work and having this extra stress and working in a practice where mistakes are getting made and their reputation is tied up in this as well. Right. And so it is unfair and unkind to everybody else not to hold this person accountable. Yeah. That said, when we hold this person accountable, we can be empathetic. Mm -hmm. We can be compassionate. And guys, we, we, we honestly, we're good at this as a profession because we do care about people and we do have hard conversations and we say, I have to have this hard conversation because it's my job. It's my job to tell you what needs to be done and what has to happen and what it's gonna cost. And I'm still going to be as kind as I can possibly be. So these are not muscles that we haven't used. Mm -hmm. I think that we just don't realize that we have those muscles and so we don't use them. And so I'll give an example of, of being kind to this person. Um, I'm going to assume good intent mm -hmm. by this person. You know what I mean? They're not gossiping and they, they don't, it's not that they don't care. It's mm -hmm. not like they're just doing something that's not good for the practice, that wastes time, and they really don't care about what we're doing. That's assuming negative intent. Right. I am going to assume that this person genuinely wants to do a good job and they're doing their best. And that's the first step in me being kind is mm -hmm. I'm assuming that they're doing their best and they really do want to do a good job and they want to be error free in the services that they provide. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to assume that. And I'm going to uh, go in with the idea of how can I help you, mm -hmm. right? How can I make you more successful? What can I do to support you? And that's where we're going to start. And I can have those conversations and at the same time say, this can't keep happening. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just can't. It's just a matter of time until something really bad happens. And it's not fair to our patients. I, I agree with that. And I think for, for me, one of the best tools that I have learned to bridge the gap between assuming good intent and uh, starting to hold someone accountable and and talk to them about the impact that their actions have. The The bridge that I love is what happened. 
Tell me about yeah. what happened. Um, and our, you know, our, our good friend Jen Galvin did, did a mic drop and talked about that at one of the early Uncharted's. And it was so simple and so profound. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was a light bulb moment for me. Like that is the bridge instead of, um, assuming, even if you assume good intent, if you ask someone, why did you do this thing? You're negating the good intent that you assumed. Right. But by asking, tell me about what happened. You're opening the door for them to have accountability for themselves. And if they don't, then it creates the opportunity to, to, for you to have the conversation about what impact and consequences are there to their actions, which is, again, it's not good or bad. It just is. And it's a function that has to happen because we have patients' lives in our hands every day. And there are some mistakes that can happen and are totally fine. And there are other mistakes that are really big stakes, mistakes that could could harm a patient if they get made more than once or even once. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, a lot of it comes down to fairness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wouldn't tolerate mistakes like this from someone else. And so, you know, I can't I can't tolerate them from the happy, fun person that that mm -hmm. I like. That's great to get along with. Like mm -hmm. at some point you just have to say, hey, we have, you know, we have systems to try to prevent people from making errors we can make those systems better. But there is also a point where you reach the point of absurdity. Like, you know, I can't have everything that you do checked by another person and no one else needs this service or this check after, you know? And I think a lot of us, I do see people go that far where they're like, I'm going to keep putting, you know, safety checks right. after this person. Yep. And you go, at some point you go, this is bonkers. You know, yes. the the amount of time and energy and effort we're putting into making sure this person is doing their work is not worth it. Um, it's, it's, it's just not. The, the other part is, and this sort of fits into where this may ultimately go, if this person feels like they are continuously being uh, checked on, uh, corrected the you know, mistakes they make keep getting pointed out a lot of us are like i don't want to keep pointing these things out because they're going to get really frustrated and i'm like okay there is a very good chance that if we if they continue to make errors and we continue to point the errors out they will get frustrated and they will leave and i'm not convinced that that's not the best thing for everyone you know if they if they can't if they if they continue to make mistakes and the pointing out of those mistakes frustrates them to the point they go, well, I don't want to do this job anymore. Maybe that's the best thing mm -hmm. that could possibly happen, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, there, and again, there's nuance here. We, I, we, I do not want to be a micromanager. And we have all seen that person who follows you around and everything you do, they go, well, you could put that, you could have done it differently. There's mm -hmm. a faster way to do that. Mm -hmm. You could have done this. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know our writer. And so I don't know that that's what's happening. But I will say that there is nuance. There is a balance there of you can nitpick anyone until they quit if you want. Oh, you know, yeah. if you if you want to micromanage, if you're a perfectionist micromanager, <laughs> you can drive anybody out the door. And I don't want to be that. And so there is nuance and balance that of me saying, you know, we're learning, uh, you know, uh, we're we're learning and we're supporting this person and we're moving in the right direction and change is happening. That's one thing. Um, me saying, I just can't talk to this person anymore about the mistakes they make and they continue to make mistakes. That's different. And I think the unintended side effects too, and I, I will, I will fully acknowledge that I have done this as a manager where sometimes 
you bury your head in the sand a little bit and you think that it will get better. And um, a good example, I had um, a, a team member who was making mistakes and, and doing things that were frustrating the, the team and were frustrating me and the clients. But every time we had a conversation about, hey, this is a thing and what can I do to help you fix this, um, this person blew up and were, were miserable to be around. And so the team would tell me that things were happening, but they'd be like, I don't want you to talk about it because I don't want to mm -hmm. deal with that person blaming everybody else or being mean or whatever. And so I buried my head in the sand. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it was far worse for mm -hmm. the rest of the team to not say something because they were still suffering <laughs> and they were suffering twice. And that was um, a huge hole to dig out of. And so I think that kindness aspect of like, what is kind to everybody? And sometimes we have to look at it from what is kind to the patient. And there are, like I said, there are sure. mistakes that can't be made ever or more than once because they just that we work in a field where patients' lives are in our hands. And that's an ethical line for me. And we have to think about what is kind for the team. And, you know, yep. is it is it kind for them to have to work harder to make up for this person? Or is it kind to just let this one person be upset when you talk to them about how you need them to take ownership and accountability? And and so for me, the, the last step for Headspace is I, I think you have to be able to be in a safe Headspace when you have a conversation with this person. And the reason that I bring that up is because um, in the email that we got, the um, practice owner was saying, how do I get this person to take ownership of things rather than constantly blaming it on something or someone else? And I will tell you, if having dealt with that person who puts the blame on everybody else it's really easy to be in a very frustrated and angry mm -hmm. headspace when you're trying to deal with that person. And so making sure that when you are having the feedback conversations and you're asking what happened, that you can actually um, smile, <laughs> that you can sit next to them, that you can ask yourself, what did you do? Um, has this person been set up to fail? You know, that you're that you're really making sure that you have a clear head when you sit down and that you're not angry or frustrated because you're not going to get the results you want if that's the case. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great point. I, I think a lot of this comes down to uh, the idea of, you know, we choose how we suffer mm -hmm. as well, you know? So how are you going to mm -hmm. suffer? Are you going to suffer uh, because there's someone in your practice making mistakes and you get to deal with the fallout and the frustration of the rest of the team about mm -hmm. those mistakes and the mm -hmm. frustration of pet owners? Or are you going to suffer from having the frustration of coaching this person yep. and working with this person and talking to this person who's going to blame other people and push the uh, and push the blame away? Yeah. Um, I, I'm taking the second one because there's because there's an end to that. You know, like my I again, I'm not going to suffer that way forever. But I think in the short term, I'm going to suffer with the headache of coaching and working with this person over just letting the rest of the team suffer. And then uh, if if we can't correct this problem, then ultimately I'm going to suffer by having to fill a job, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're going to we'll work shorthanded if we have to. But it's more important to get the right people. And it's also more important to show the team, hey, we're committed to quality of care and not making mistakes and getting things right. Like this is who we are. We're not just talking big talk. We really do mean it when we say that we provide exceptional pet care and we uh, work hard and we get better every day. Is there anything else on your Headspace list? I think, I, you know, um, I, the last thing I'll sort of throw on there is sort of a tag at the end. This is sort of another one of the things I come back to a lot when I, when I look at, um, when I look at employees that are sort of struggling is the old, 
do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have capacity for it? Yeah. And sort of those those three questions. Um, and so this is something for for the for the person writing in to to ask themselves is when they look at this employee, is this somebody who just do they do they just not get it? Do they just not are they not do they do they not understand the importance of their work? Do they not understand that mistakes have consequences? Do they not you know in, in this profession do they not understand? Uh, yeah, that that uh, that we are a team and we work together. And even if somebody else came in and didn't put the paper where they should have, or they didn't check the right box, uh, we're a team and we look out for each other. And right. getting getting it right is more important than uh, getting the offending party identified. Yeah. Uh, do, do they get it? And the last thing is, do they want it? Does this person really want to be here? Yeah. Are they chatting and doing other things because they don't really want? to work in this practice, you know what I mean? Right. Are they are they filling their time until something else comes along? And I think a lot of times we have people and they'll be in a role and they don't really want to be here. If they don't, yeah, they just, it's, it's a thing that they're doing. And the idea of, you know, finding a new job just sounds like a lot of work and, you know, who likes change anyway? And so they, <laughs> so they remain and go, do they want it? And if they don't want to be here, then yeah. I, I'd like to know that. And the last thing is, do they have the capacity for it? Uh, and it is possible when we talked about assuming good intent, it's possible that this person is overwhelmed. The, yeah. uh, are they do, are they up at the front just getting clobbered with phone calls and emails and uh, pharmacy requests and you know people walking up to the front and asking questions? Like maybe they maybe they don't have the capacity to, to handle this. If they're working beyond capacity and making mistakes, I would hate to let someone go because they're doing so much they yeah. can't keep up with it like that yeah. seems that seems less than ideal so those are just questions i have for myself to try to understand and I, again i want to look at this in the most charitable way possible but the way i approach these three problems is also going to be different uh, yes. yeah and so if this is a capacity problem can i slow this down you know can i reduce the number of things this person is doing and then make them much less likely to make mistakes, which then allows me to keep them on the work on the payroll or on the workforce. Yeah, you know, if it's a uh, if it's a they don't get it, maybe they're not in the right role. Maybe they're not in the right seat on the bus. Maybe they should be working somewhere else where they're not filling medications or doing things like that. They, you know, can we maybe adjust to give them things that they do get, they do understand, they do grasp. Yeah, um, and if they don't want it. Um, I again, I go back to what I said at the very beginning. I don't know that you're going to motivate this person. I think people have to motivate themselves to some degree. If they don't want to be here and they don't want to be doing this, um, it's probably better for everybody if we kind of find that out and and agree to to head our separate ways. And so, uh, to me, success is not getting this person engaged. It is either getting this person engaged and successful or getting them out of this position where they're having problems. And that may mean out of the practice, but yeah. both of those are success in my mind. I I would prefer the former, but I will take the latter as success if it's what needs to happen. Okay, do we want to take a break before we jump into the question of how do we try and tackle this? Yeah, let's do it. Team member? Okay, awesome. Hey everybody, it's Stephanie and I'm going to jump in here real quick and tell you about an upcoming workshop from the Uncharted community that you are not going to want to miss. Is your team struggling with negativity? Is everybody feeling tired and kind of like they're on the struggle bus? If so, we've got the workshop for you. 
Dr. Tracy Sands, our dear friend and founding member of the Uncharted community, is going to be presenting a workshop on Saturday, October 9th, called Empowering Your Team to Get Positive and Stay That Way. For anyone who has had the opportunity to meet Tracy, you know that she is all about team culture, and she is going to teach our workshop attendees how to level up their skills, get their team to actively practice skills that teach them to bounce back from negative situations in a constructive way and learn some everyday tools and games that are going to help guide your team to focus on the positive without pretending like everything is sunshine and rainbows when it's not. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com and you can find the information about how to register and all of our upcoming events at unchartedvet.com forward slash upcoming dash events. Now back to the podcast. Let's get back into this. So all right, so we're going to have a conversation with this person who is making mistakes. And whenever we talk to them, they blame it on somebody else. They talk about how it's not their fault. Um... How do we how do we approach this? What's the first thing that we do uh, when we're preparing to have these sort of conversations? So, um, for for me, I'm glad that you brought up in the headspace part that get it, want it, and have capacity because where I start trying to have the conversation with myself is in the middle, is in the want it, and part of that is trying to figure out how is this person motivated? Are they um, intrinsically motivated. Are they doing things that they enjoy? Is the, is the motivation coming from inside them? Um, so are, you know, are they the kind of team member where they might be spacey and they might make mistakes, but they're the first one to volunteer to help their teammates cover a shift. They're the ones to stay late when the emergency walks in the door at five o'clock. They're, um, they are showing motivation towards their job, but they're just struggling, right? Like that helps me decide, is this a want it or is it um, the maybe the get it or the capacity part of it that helps me figure that out? Or are they someone who um, the the want it is the big part? They are extrinsically motivated. They really don't um, care unless external forces applied on them. So me holding them accountable, accountable and being afraid of the concept of getting in trouble at work, like does, is that motivating to them? So for me, I, I kind of start with that middle of, do they want this or not? Are they, are they seeming to have enjoyment and motivation towards their job or do they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad question to ask them. And a lot of people go, well, you can't ask that. And I go, well, yeah, you can, you kind of can. You can just be like, how are you feeling about everything? Mm-hmm. Like, is this, is this, I mean, is this a role that you that you like? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you interested in? I, I think that that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would go to them, you know, and, and I think we've, we've already talked a little bit about the opening session is um, good, uh, assume good intent, mm-hmm. right? Start with compassion. Mm-hmm. Ask them what happened. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's going on? I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing a number of mistakes. And, and again, you have to speak in specifics here, right? If you go and say, there's a number of mistakes, they'll be like, there's not a, I mean, no, it was like one thing that I did, maybe one thing. Yeah, I mean, so and so did something else, and then uh, this other person, but it was really their fault. Right. Um, and you know, but okay, we've had three mistakes in billing out clients, and we've had to call all three clients and get them to pay more money, and it made them mad. Mm-hmm. Um, th- what's going on? Because mm-hmm. we can't keep doing this. Yeah, you know, and just and that's it's just asking what's going on. Yeah, and so I, I think uh, coming with compassion, and everything at, at the very beginning, I think it's good. You got to have the conversation. 
you know, you've got to mention it. Oh, you know, we go back again. We talked, this actually, what's funny is um, some of the things that, that we're talking about here really plug into the episode we did about two weeks ago. Uh, when this episode comes out, it'll be probably about two, two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, called the the monster that eats new grads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about, uh, you know, someone who this team sort of tiptoed around because they mm-hmm. didn't want to have mm-hmm. hard conversations. Um, and so you know, I think that there's some related things there. But yeah, I think I think you have to have the conversation. You know, I think you have to mention it. And we talked in, in that episode a bit about about the plagues, as I like to call them, you know, and sort of say, you know, I base feedback in these conversations on the plagues from the Bible where uh, we don't start with the 10th plague or the 8th plague. We start with the first plague, which is a very minor plague. Right. And then only when we continue to run into problems again and again and again, do we move up to the second plague and the third plague. And each yes. one is more severe than the one before. It, and we ultimately get up to the 10th plague. Uh, and so, but, but I think that's important because I think a lot of us do nothing and do nothing and do nothing and do nothing and then we snap and we grab the flaming raging sword of justice and we take their head off yeah and it's like ninth plague coming at you pow um and that's it's nothing 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 ninth plague and you're gone and i go that's not kind to the person that we're that we're dealing with you know the kindest thing is to say hey i saw this and i need your help to correct it you know um but but i think you got to have the conversation i think a lot of us shy away from from having it and i'm not saying again you have to micromanage or nitpick every time we need to track what's going on we need to be able to speak in specifics we need to talk about what's happening but then we need to address these things and say hey these things are going on and put them forward well and i think for me when it comes to creating accountability and and teaching someone how to be accountable or um helping them better their accountability skills you hit the nail on the head when you said we too often ignore it and then we jump to the ninth plague and that creates an environment of fear. And if the team is motivated by the fear of the leadership team or management that they're going to get in trouble if they make mistakes, they're not going to admit mistakes. They're going to blame other people. They're going to say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, if we if we create an environment where they feel safe and we look at ourselves and say, have we set this person up to fail? Well, I'll tell you, if you don't mention it, don't mention it, don't mention it and go to the ninth plague and take everybody's heads off with your flaming, raging sort of justice, you have set them up to fail. Yep. Like that's bad leadership on our parts. And so part of the key for me to accountability is not punishing them every time they screw up, but asking them to create Uh, asking them to hold themselves accountable. And the only way that we do that is to create trust and safety. And so they have to feel like they can say, hey, I made a mistake. Can can I ask for your help to fix this and feel safe that you're going to not only help them, but that you're not going to punish them um, because that punishment is just extrinsic pressure on them. It's not them being motivated themselves. They are motivated by the fear that they're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't get getting someone to change their behavior based on a threat of them losing their job, mm-hmm. getting written up. Mm-hmm. That's a short term yes. uh, approach that yes. generally does not do well in the long term. In fact, even if it corrects a short term problem, it often builds long term resentment. Yes. So, for example, if I was working for you and you came to me and you said, Andy, if you don't stop um you know, 
forgetting to write up your records, you're going to get fired and yeah. you're going to be out of here. Uh, that would scare me. And I would probably try to figure out how to make sure that I wasn't forgetting this. And I would come up with a system of my own because it's not intentional. Um, and that system would probably work. I would probably figure out a way to do this. And you'd be like, that's great, Andy, you did a great job. And I'd be like, hey, thanks. And then under my breath, I'd be like, screw you. Like, <laughs> you you know, I'll never forget yes. that you threatened to fire yes. me, you know, yes. over this. And, and and that's just true. I would be I would be very resentful of it. And the truth is, had you come to me and said, Andy, this is really important and I really need your help in fixing this, I would have come up with the exact same system and workaround and I wouldn't have been angry. Mm -hmm about it and I wouldn't have felt threatened, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I just think, I think a lot of people go, well, I just, I just told them. I was just direct and clear, which Andy, you said I should be. Uh, I said, yep, you should be direct and you should be clear and you should be kind. And that means not threatening people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, so there's that. There's, um, there's always, this is the part when people say, yep, got it, Andy. Uh, got it, Steph. But what about when she blames it on other people? You know, when I go and I say, what happens? And she goes, Dave happens. That's what happens. It's that guy. What, you know, what do I do with that? Because now we're arguing not about, we're not fixing the problem. We're right. arguing not whether or not it was Dave's fault. Right. Uh, and that's a stupid argument that goes nowhere and helps us uh, in zero ways as far as moving forward. Yeah. And so, so what do we do? The, the big thing, so I, I, I love this. There's sort of a little system I use for overcoming this is just an objection they are objecting to what you were saying and so real quick little ways that we handle objection the first thing we do they're going to blame it on dave i am going to say something positive i'm going to say i hear you okay tell me more about that all right you, dave, dave does like to talk you know i am going to say something that does not invalidate them it is something positive yeah, yeah I, to I i totally understand why that would be frustrating okay so say something positive. and then i'm going to ask him a question do you think that it is okay that if Dave comes up and talks to the front desk, then we don't charge people what they're supposed to be charged? You know right. what I mean? Like, right. does that make it okay, the fact that Dave comes up here and talks? Does that make it okay that we're not charging people for the work we're doing and we're having to call them on their way home? Right. Um, and there's a million different questions I would ask depending on exactly what had happened um, and what the core values of my practice are, what this person cares about, you know, that what their values are, all of those sorts of things. But essentially, I'm going to come back and I'm going to try to ask them another question of, do you think it's all right? Um, I hear that. And Dave continues, Dave is a big talker. And knowing that Dave is a big talker, what can we do to make sure that we don't have any more mischarges when clients are checking out? Because... It, we got to fix this. Yeah. You know, and that's it. And I'm not engaging with you on whether or not it's Dave's fault, but I'm asking you, what are we going to do to make sure that this problem gets fixed? And I can bring it back like that. And the last thing I, I, I tend to do after the question is I transition the conversation into a future tense, meaning, great, going forward, what are our steps mm -hmm. from here mm -hmm. to make sure this doesn't happen anymore? And now I'm not arguing this person about whose fault it was because I don't care because it's done. It's mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I want us to instead what I want to talk about is what, what are we going to do starting now to fix this problem? Yeah. And then when it happens again and I come back and she goes, Dave did the thing again. And I'm going to go, we talked about this and what we were going to do, even if Dave comes up and talks, we decided there were things that we were going to do to make sure that people still got billed correctly. What happened? You know, and I've kind of taken away the Dave card. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't love playing the Dave card? 
<laughs> but yeah. Oh, I love that. I and I I think that that is um I think that that is so key to take away to to so nicely take away the objection and put it into the future because again it's not about you're you're not sitting there blaming them or punishing them for things that happened in the past. It's like, okay, I hear you. And it's how we're going to move forward yep. with this. Yep. Um, and, and the other piece I think that um, happens with blaming other people or not taking accountability is that for a lot of us in practice, and this is where I'm going <laughs> to, might make some people mad, but one of the things that we, um, can really suck at is being clear in veterinary medicine. Um, because for a lot of us, there are lots of things that happen in our practices that are everybody's job. So they are no one's job. And so one of the things that I see happen on repeat is that um, in my head as the leader, I have an idea that this is someone's responsibility. And when I talk to them about it, they're like, okay, but that's supposed to be Dave's responsibility, right? Like I didn't think I was responsible for that. And and but it's not out of ill intent. Like they're not yeah. trying to necessarily blame Dave. They really honestly in their head think that's that's Dave's job, right? Like I thought he was in charge of that because he just always seems to do it. So one of the things that I think we need to do, this is where clearest kind is so, so important, is we need to help them um, know exactly what their role is. And so I've, uh, to say, okay, so in the future, this is a piece that is your job. This is where I, as the leader have to be really crystal clear. If I expect every single one of my room assistants to complete a task every day, they all need to understand that that is their job. Mm -hmm. And if I make that crystal clear, if I've had the, if I have the conversation with them and I say, Hey, Emily, did you like, tell me about this yesterday. And then I have the conversation with her and I say, okay, so this is part of my expectation for your role here in the practice is that you're going to accomplish this tomorrow and going forward. Do you, do you think this is something you can accomplish too? And I'm asking her to buy in and give me a commitment for her future behavior. Then it becomes a no brainer to have the follow-up conversation two weeks later to say, Hey, Emily, remember last week when we talked about this and you told me that you understood that this was your job, it's still not getting done. So yeah. I need your help in figuring out why this isn't happening because this isn't something that can't happen every day. Like this is something that has to be done. Then it is about, there. there is no way out of the accountability if I have made it crystal clear. But for a lot of us, there are a lot of those things that happen in our practice where this is where the team has to get the benefit of the doubt. We probably didn't make it crystal clear. And yeah. in our head, it makes sense to us, but in their heads, it is not their responsibility. It is not their job because it's everybody's job. Yeah. I, um, I was a baby vet and, uh, and the guys I was working for opened up this satellite vet practice. And so I, uh, so they sent me out there and so I was one vet and it was one technician and we just did everything, right? Mm -hmm. like we checked clients out, we answered mm -hmm. the phone, we did it, we did everything. And so I was out there and I've been out there a couple of weeks and I get called into the office to go see the bosses. And they're, as I remember it, they're both there. And they said to me, Andy, this is, this is not going well. <laughs> and I said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? And they're like the practice, you know, when the morning shift comes in, the practice is, uh, is dirty. It's, it's not being, you guys are, it's not being cleaned up, uh, mm -hmm. when people are leaving and people being you guys, you and your technician are going home. Um, and it's been three weeks 
and the boxes in the surgery suite have not been touched. The surgery suite is not set up. It's sitting full of boxes. And they just looked at me and I said, am I supposed to set up the surgery suite? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, am I supposed to clean the vet clinic? And they were like, no, the tech is. And I was like, am I her boss? And they were like, um, kind of. And I was like, I don't understand. I'm sorry. That's I, I, just, what I, mean. I This is all news to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I but just, I their, just remember being heads, like, in their heads, I, that was probably crystal clear because they were probably thinking there's a stack of boxes in the surgery suite. And I'm sure yeah. Andy will see that. And I'm sure he will know that they need to get unpacked. And it just well, they, happens. Yeah. And, and they're like, he's going to make this his own. I was like, yeah. I waited for a grown up to show up <laughs> and tell me where they want, like, you know what I mean? To just show up and tell me where they want, how they wanted this thing put together. Um, I, you know, I, I, and I just remember them just looking at me and I was looking at them and I was like, I didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, just, it was kind of this, this shocking conversation. And again, I still stand by what I said. Nobody told me that right. I was the boss. Right. And I just, I assumed that the manager at the big practice was still telling us what to do. Like, and the, te- the technician, I, was, I went to her and I was like, did you know I'm your boss? And she was like, the hell you are. I was like, that's what I said. Um, <laughs> And, and so like these things happen they they honest to god totally happen and so yeah that's they a part do. of assuming good intent and saying what happened and the person's like i didn't right. realize that was my job yeah, the, other, the other part of this too is i think you and i have sort of had this this sort of morbid tone of like hey look you know you, this is not working and blah 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 there's nothing wrong with weaving in a lot of positive feedback on the things these people are good at. Tell right. them why you want them to be there. Tell them what they do that's great. Tell them about why you enjoy working with them, you know? Make yeah. sure that it doesn't feel like, you know, we've all had conversations where someone shows up and they tell us five things that's great about us and one thing that we should work on. And we're like, we still grab uh, disproportionately on the thing we should work on, but we yeah. still feel appreciated and we feel seen. As opposed to we've all had people show up and just say, hey, you screwed this up. Yeah. And we don't feel seen and we feel kind of crapped on and we feel like all the good stuff that we do is completely ignored. And so when when, when I say, hey, we're going to have this conversation and, yeah, we need to make sure this doesn't happen. I want to I, I want to be fair to the person, you know what I mean? And, and part of it, especially if I start talking about, do you want this job? You know, do you have capacity for this job? Things like that. I want to make sure I tell them why I'd love to have them in the job and tell yep. them what they do that makes them good at the job and why they could be fantastic and why I enjoy working with them. And at the same time, we still need to talk about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, to me, it's a, the other analogy I keep going back to. Is, I, there's so much in the exam room and talking with clients that comes back to talking with people. If I go into exam room and I've got a dog that's got dental disease, I'm not going to walk in and go, hey, nice to meet you. How are you? Let's just talk about your dog's teeth are horrible. <laughs> Like, that's not how this goes. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about the teeth. Why? Because it's my job to talk about the teeth. Like, I I, I have to tell you about this problem. It's my job to tell you. Right? At the same time, I'm going to talk about all the good things with your dog as well and all the things that you are doing well and how I like the diet that you're feeding, how your dog is not overweight and that's wonderful and how good their coat looks and how their joints feel good and their hips extend beautifully and their personality is great and their eyes are bright and their ears are clean. I'm going to do all of those things. And then there's one thing we have to talk about. It's these teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, you know, with managing our staff is it's so easy just to get hyper focused on the problem that we forget we're dealing with a human organism. It's true. It is true. 
and I, I think your point is, um, is super important. And that was how I was going to, um, for me, the ending is in the headspace, especially if you feel like this is someone who might have a little bit of a capacity problem, boosting Mm -hmm. them up is important. And so, you know, if you've ruled out that they don't, it's not that they don't want it and Mm -hmm. they are smart enough, they, that, you know, that they get it. They just seem to be maybe having some capacity struggles. Like that's that's definitely the conversation where I lean heavy into I need to boost this person up and I need them to feel safe and secure. And I want them to understand that they are wanted and that they are needed here. And at the same time, I can still have a conversation about what I need and what the expectation is. And I can do that kindly um, and and still be firm. And let them understand, like, this is something that needs to happen. Like, I need to see a change here. Um, and I think that we're so afraid of that. We're so, uh, so many of us in leadership are, are in veterinary medicine anyways, are afraid of being seen as the bad guy and, and the meanie that we, we can't even lean into, look, we can be clear and be kind when we're being clear. Um, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be the big bad boss sitting across the big desk from them getting somebody in trouble, you know? Yeah. I, um, my wife is an amazing person, right? So she's, she's incredible. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, so we had younger kids. So probably, I don't know, nine and five, something like that. And I was traveling a lot. So I was going to vet conferences and speaking and things. And, um, I came home uh, from being away and my wife had been getting the kids to school, like extracurriculars, working full time as she does as a college professor, like not an easy job. Right. And I came home and put my stuff down. And then I said something to her. I looked at her and I said something to her like, hey, could you wash your water bottle out and put it in the drying rack instead of leaving it in the sink? And the rage in her eyes. Because of all, like, uh, I did not say thank you for raising our children while I was away. Thank you for keeping our house running. Thank you for keeping the dog alive. Yeah. Thank you for all of the things that you do, which would take me days to list. Right. I said, could you not leave your water bottle in the sink? Could you wash it out, please? Thank you. Oh and. God. It is a testament to her beauty inside, her inner beauty, that I am alive to be on this podcast today. <laughs> if you want to really piss off someone who has, who's having problems with capacity, roll up and tell them about the mistake that they made yeah. while they're doing three people's jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah. that when I say come from a kind place and and assume good intent honestly the reason i remember those things is because they have saved my life yeah in the you know what i mean like when i roll up and say how did everything go while i was gone and my wife tells me all of the fires that she put out i'm like can i clean your water bottle for you please like i just i noticed it was out and i would like to do something nice for you like that's the conversation i have Yeah. When I when I have yeah. a brain and I ask the question first. <laughs> so anyway. Oh my God, I love it. Cause that's so that is so true. That's that's where the Jedi mind trick for leading people and teaching accountability, I feel like comes from, is to your to the point that you just made. It's in saying, 
tell me how you survived this and you you did such a great job. I see this thing and I want to help you. Let me <laughs> let me do this thing for you, you know? Yeah. Because you're not even mentioning it in that conversation, but you are. By doing the thing, you're you're showing, you're showing, but you're not it's not I'm mad about it. It's not a you're in trouble for this. It's just a hey, I'm going to help you with this thing. That is I I love that. So beautiful and thank <laughs> Thank Allison Rourke for not shanking you when oh, you God. came home. Yeah. My <laughs> continued survival is a, a gift from Allison. I love it. I love yeah. it. All right. Oh my gosh. Well, this one was so fun. Have um have a great week at uh have fun at the clinic today. Have a yeah, great week, I you will. guys. Cool. You guys take care. Uh be well. Take care of each other. I'll see you later on. Okay. Take care, guys. Bye. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.